culture, and uh, I'm excited today. I want to share a message that I've entitled The Father's House, and uh, just kind of piggybacking off of what we spoke about last week. Last week, we talked about the, the many different miracles of Jesus, that everything that Jesus did was intentional, that, that literally every, every, even every down to every miracle that Jesus did, it was on purpose. It wasn't just a random thing that took place, but it was actually, it was actually had a, a purpose to it because Jesus came to earth to save us of our sins, but also to establish heaven on earth. He came to establish a culture. So literally every detail of everything that Jesus did, every word he spoke, every story he told, every miracle that, that, he, that he was a part of, it had a purpose. It was, it was also speaking a message and it was, it was developing a culture. And so we can look at the Bible and we can look at the gospels as just a bunch of random interactions that Jesus happened to have with people or we can look into those interactions. We can look into the things that he said and discover the hidden details because I believe that everything Jesus did, he was trying to teach us something. Are you with me today? He was trying to teach us something. He was introducing a culture. He was introducing the Jesus culture. So last week we talked about the miracles that Jesus performed. And, and, and we said that these weren't just random things that Jesus was, was doing. He was actually trying to introduce a new way of life to us. Even in the miracles, we can, we can see the culture that Jesus was trying to introduce. One of, the, one of the miracles that Jesus did over and over again, seven different men in the Gospels, their blind eyes were opened. And, and we talked about how Jesus came to bring vision. He meant, he, he, he's meant for us to be people of vision, that we're supposed to have vision for our lives. And so when we give our life to Christ, the culture is, is he puts vision inside of us for our future. Amen. Big vision. How, how, many, how many know God wants to give you big dreams? He wants to give you big dreams, big purpose for your life. That's something that Jesus came to do. Open your eyes to the possibilities of what is in front of you. And not only did he come to give you vision, but, but we, we recognize that any vision God gives us is going to be bigger than the resources we have with us. And so not only did he, did he come to establish a culture of vision, but he came to establish a culture of provision. And we saw that in how he fed the 5,000, taking, taking a few loaves and a, and a few fish and, and multiplying it to feed the, the, up to 15 to 20,000 people. God, God was saying to the disciples, hey, let's not dismiss the vision. Let's not send the vision away. Let's, let's, let's provide for the vision. And we know God established a culture of provision. Everywhere Jesus went, he rose the dead. Dead things don't stay dead around Jesus. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And so what we said last week is that, that, is that Jesus was establishing a culture of new life. Is anybody glad to be alive in Christ today? That once you were dead in your sins, but God's made you alive. He's the resurrection and the life. He brings new life everywhere he goes. The last thing we talked about is that God meant us to live a life that's celebratory, that your life is worth celebrating. And, the, and the, the reason we were able to see this is because in Jesus's first miracle, anything, anytime anything is first, it shows priority. That's why we give God the first fruits of our income. We're saying, God, you're first, your priority. Well, Jesus came to earth, his first miracle, he's showing priority here. His first miracle was turning water into wine. And I think what Jesus was showing us in that time is that your life, my life, is worth celebrating. And so we're gonna be celebratory people. We're gonna celebrate birthdays. We're gonna celebrate anniversaries. We're, we're gonna celebrate each other's. We're gonna celebrate when someone gets a raise. We're gonna celebrate when someone gets a job. We're gonna celebrate when somebody gets married. We're gonna live a celebratory life because that's something that Jesus came to establish, a culture of celebration. Somebody say amen. Now, 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 this morning, I want to I want to I want to share one of the most famous stories that Jesus ever told, because Jesus, when he spoke, oftentimes he would share what, what, what were called parables and what a parable is nothing, nothing more than just a story. And Jesus often used stories to illustrate a point that he was trying to make. And I want to look at one of his famous stories in Luke chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, you can up, open up there or you can follow along in our app this morning. But, but it's, the, it's the parable of the prodigal son. And 
a lot of times we, we can read this story and, and we, we take the main point of the story and, and that is that, that, that we serve a God of grace. And regardless of all the failures that we've had in our life, regardless of all the mistakes that we've made, that we can come to the Father and he welcomes us back. All of us have been prodigals. Any, any prodigal sons and daughters in the house this morning? I'm grateful for the grace of God. And the main point of this parable is to illustrate the grace of God. And so, so we love that about it. But I also believe that as Jesus is telling this story, he's also trying to establish culture. He's trying to explain the things that you can find in the Father's house. So as he's telling the story, he begins to show some details of things that, you, that are found, that are evident, that you can always find in the Father's house. And I believe that those same things need to be present here in the house of God. Are you with me today? I believe there's certain things, cultural things, that Jesus was trying to establish and identify, things that have to be present in the house of God. So what I wanna do is I wanna read the story in its entirety to you this morning. We'll stop a few times and talk about it a little bit, and then we'll jump into the things that, that, that are available in God's house. All right, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. The Bible says that Jesus told them this story, that a man had two sons. The younger told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his, so his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the, this younger son packed up all of his belongings, moved to a distant land, and then wasted all of his money in wild living. What so many people do with their stimulus checks right there. <laughs> About the time his money ran out, a famine swept over the land and he began to starve. And so he persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him to his, to his fields to feed the pigs. Now, a lot of times we look at this portion of the, of the story and we, we start feeling bad for the guy. You know, a lot of times we say, man, how, how sad this is. Here's a guy that obviously had a privileged life, grew up in a good family, a family that the father had, had, had enough sense to save for, for, for an inheritance for this young man. And, and so we can look at this, here's a kid, he's, he wasted everything, he's lost everything, and now a famine hits, and so now he's, He's, he's there and he's, he's, he's wasted all of his money and he, now he's feeding pigs. And so we can look at this and we can feel sorry for the boy. I actually look at this as, as I, I, I actually admire the prodigal son right here. And the reason I admire him is not, I, I know he's made mistakes, but when he lost everything, his first reaction is to go get a job. Which is kind of a lost art in, in our society today. You know what I mean? And so... So, so he doesn't get down in the dumps and say, oh my, there's a famine, what am I gonna do? He didn't do that. He went and got a job. And, and that, that tells us that no matter how bad it gets, even when there's a famine, someone will hire you. As long as you're willing to work, even in a famine, you can find a job. Isn't that amazing? That's pretty admirable. Okay, verse 16. So, so the young man, even with the job, he became so hungry. How many know that God uses famine moments? All of us have gone through them, famine moments. He, he, so this young man, he became so hungry that even the pods he was fe feeding the pigs started to look good to him, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, in my father's house, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. And so now, this young man is looking back, he's going back into the Rolodex of his memory, and is remembering what it felt like to be present in the father's house. He's looking at the world around him, and nothing looks like his dad's place. What he's seeing around him is betrayal. He's seeing a bunch of fair-weather friends that were with him when he had something, and now are nowhere to be found now that he has nothing. He's abandoned, he's feeling neglected, and now he's looking back and remembering his father's house that none of these feelings were present there. Jesus is painting a picture of the house of God for us. Something that we can grab a hold of, a culture that he's trying to establish, verse 18. So the son says, I'll go home to my father and say, Father, this is important, he says, I'm gonna say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I wanna stop and tell you something, that the house of God is, needs to be a place of repentance. Yes. Yes. 
it, there's, there's the importance of repentance. When we come to the house of God, it's a good idea to get some things right because every one of us needs some repentance. Come on, none of us in here are perfect. None of us, all of us in here are making mistakes all the time. And so when we come to the house of the Lord, it's a great idea to, to, to repent and consider our need for forgiveness. I love that the prodigal comes home and he's got a repentant heart. I think when we come to the house of the Lord, that's how we should come. We should come with a repentant heart because the Bible tells us in Acts that when we repent, times of refreshing will come. And so when we come to the house of the Lord, maybe you're feeling dry this morning or you're feeling a little bit desolate. Maybe, maybe you should introduce some repentance into your life because if you repent, the Bible promises that times of refreshing are right around the corner. Somebody say amen. Verse 19, so he repents and says, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father cut him off and said to his servants, quick, somebody say quick. Quick, quick bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost and now he's found because someone invited him to Easter services at Elevate. And so the party began. Somebody say, so the party began. Let's get the party started here this morning. What I want to do is I want to pay attention to the details of this story because there's several things that I'm sure you, you picked up on that are, are, are present in the father's house. And Jesus, in telling the story, he's identifying a culture for us about the father's house. And these things that he's identifying in this story must also be available here at Elevate Ministries. So he's, he's unlocking a Jesus culture. He's unlocking something that's different that can only be found in the Father's house, in the house of God, all right? I love what the Father does when the Son comes home. The very first thing he does is he places a robe on his Son. We're gonna call this a robe of righteousness. A robe of righteousness. It's not just any robe. It's a robe that you can't earn on your own. It's a robe you can't purchase. It's a robe you can't get anywhere else. But the father says to the son, he said, quick. I had to repeat that for a reason. He said, quick, bring the finest robe. You know what the finest robe that the father has? Do you know what that robe consists of? It's a robe that Jesus paid the highest price for us to wear. And I love that the father says, quick, bring it now. To me, this says that God can do an instant work. See, a lot of times people come to church and they think, well, I can come to the Father's house and, and if, I, if, I, if I volunteer, if I do these things and wear these beads and, and if I say these prayers and if I do it long enough, well, then somehow I'll be able to be right with God. But that's not what happens at the Father's house. The Father says, quick. In other words, we're going to take care of this right now. It's got nothing to do with your strength. It's got nothing to do with, 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 you can't remove the stains from your robe. You, you, can't, you can't clean up your own robe. You can't bleach it for yourself. The Bible says that the Father says, quick, because what is it? It's an exchange. That's all that's happening here. It, it's just, it's simply an exchange. Jesus paid the price so that you and I can wear the robe of righteousness. Isaiah 1 describes it like this. It says, come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Maybe you need to have a matter settled inside of your heart today. Though your sins are like scarlet, I'm gonna make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I'm gonna make them white as wool. Let me tell you something about the Father. When you, when you, when you receive the robe that the Father gives you, you exchange your pig slop stained, foul-smelling robe, and you exchange that immediately for a brand new, the finest, the most excellent, the purest robe of righteousness that's in the house of God. See, I love this about God because God loves us while we're in our mess. The son was in his mess. 
he was, he was covered in pig slop. It's a picture of us covered in our own sin, covered in our own mess, the mess we've made of our lives. But God receives us in that mess. But here's the thing about God, he doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us there in our mess. He refuses in his compassion for the, for the son's brokenness. He takes us as we are, but he loves us too much to keep us that way. He takes us as we are, but he instantly transforms us. It's a miracle that happens. You've heard people, even people that are saved, even in the church, and they'll excuse themselves for like a bad character trait. And the way they excuse themselves, they say this. They say, I was born that way. This is the way I, I was born like this. This is just the way I am. In other words, what they're saying is, is I can't control my actions. What they're saying is, is I can't control my thoughts. I can't control my feelings. I can't control my emotions because I was born this way. But that's not the culture Jesus came to establish. We see this in the story of, of Nicodemus in John chapter three. The Bible says that Jesus said to, that, that, that Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, Rabbi, we know that God sent you to teach us. Your, your miraculous signs are evidence that God's with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Aren't you glad Jesus tells us the truth? He says, unless you are born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. What was Jesus saying in that moment? We read that all the time. What Jesus was saying is, Nicodemus, you were born a certain way. You, you, were, you, you were born with certain bents. You were born with, with certain dysfunctions, certain leanings, character traits, if you will. But, but the Jesus culture says, you can be born again. The, the, the Bible tells us that in 2 Corinthians that you are a new creation, that old things are passed away. Everything starts brand new. This is good news for us. Are you with me today? This is good news, you know why? Because the devil's constantly whispering in our ear, you can't do it. The devil's constantly saying that it's impossible, that you'll never change, you can't change, it's unrealistic to expect things to change. But here's why Jesus came, to establish a culture that says, no matter how you were born, I came to make you born again. I came to make you brand new. All those who are in Christ are a new creation in Jesus' name. Can somebody give the Lord some praise in this place? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or, or practice homosexually or are thieves, greedy people, drunkards, abusive, cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Bad news for all of us. Right? You're like, no, no, no I'm, none, I'm none of those things. Yes, you are. You can find yourself on that list, 100%. Every one of us. You may not have been a male prostitute, but you were a drunkard or a thief. You were, all right? Let's just be honest. He says, the Bible says that none of these are going to inherit the kingdom of God, all right? But look at verse 11. It says, some of you were once like that. And all of us are kind of like sheepishly raising our hands. But look what it says next. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. In other words, he took your pig slop, foul, disgusting, stinky, old mess of a life. He took that and got rid of it and placed upon you a brand new robe, a robe of righteousness. Are you with me? Satan has told you that you'll never be able to change, but I'm here today to tell you, we don't change for God. We change through God. I'll say that again. We don't change for God. We don't come to church to get our acts together so we can be pleasing for God. That's not what we're doing. We come, the reason we're able to change is we change through God. We don't change so that we'll be accepted by the Father. No, the Father accepts us. And because he accepts us, we now have the ability to change. It's got nothing to do with our works, nothing to do with our strength. Come on, somebody. It's got nothing to do with our striving. The Father says, quickly, Come on, quickly bring the best robe. Now, now, some of us, we come into the kingdom. And maybe you're here this morning, you're saying, man, I, I've come, I've given my life to Christ. I've asked Jesus into my heart, but I still struggle in these areas. 
Like I still have certain bents towards certain behavior. I know it's not right. Maybe for you it's gossip. A bunch of people just look down. <laughs> or maybe it's fear, or maybe there's a sexual issue. Maybe, maybe, maybe a, um, your pornography or, 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 or worry, or there's so many different things, anxiety. Maybe there's a rebellion in your life in some way towards God. And so you're bent, even though you've given your life to Christ, and even though God's made you a new creation, our, our bent, our habit, is to go and repeat those same behaviors. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? But we need to remind ourselves that we are a new creation and we say this, I am not that way anymore. So when the devil tries to remind you all the failures and all the things and all the problems, you tell the devil, I am not that way anymore. Satan, check out this rope. Take a look at, I'm not covered in your pig slop, sin-infested mess anymore. I'm wearing a robe that Jesus paid a high price for me to wear. I'm not that way anymore. Let me tell you something. You can control what you think. Come on, somebody say amen. You can control what you drink. You can control what you drink. You are not that way anymore. You're not that way anymore. You can control how you talk. You don't have to drop, drop the F-bomb and say, well, I work with construction people. You don't have to do that. Hello? You don't have to do that. You can, you can control who you let in your bedroom. You can control who you let in your, in your, never mind. In your DMs, you can control, you can control what you watch, you can control what you put in your veins. You, you are not that way anymore. Somebody needs to have a revelation today that you've been cleansed, you've been born again, you've been set straight, that Jesus paid a high price for your victory. Amen, we are victorious, and you're wearing the proof this morning. You've got the robe of righteousness. Sin no longer has power over you. You are not that way anymore. You are not that way anymore. Somebody say, I am not that way anymore. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not that way anymore. In the house of God, in the house of God, come on somebody, in the house of God, we wear a robe of righteousness. Amen. The second thing that the father gives, gives the prodigal, he gives him a ring, puts a ring on his finger. This ring was a ring of authority. Now in those days, during the times of this story, that's what the ring signified. The ring signified authority. And so when, when the son put on the father's ring, when that ring was placed on his finger, the son actually was given not just some jewelry, not just fashion, what the son was actually given was the authority of the father. And so as soon as the ring was placed on his finger, he had the ability to buy and sell with the authority of the Father. He, he had the ability to command people to do certain things because he was given the authority of the Father. This ring on that finger, it granted the Father's authority to whoever was wearing it. It's so significant that the Father takes the ring and puts it on the Son. Because what, what Jesus was trying to, to, to impress upon us and the culture that Jesus was trying to establish is this, that you are empowered. Do you know that? That when you give your life to Christ, he puts a ring of authority on your finger. You have been given power by the Father. You've been given authority by the Father. You've, you've been given the power to walk in authority. Do you know that? Jesus, here's the thing. Jesus didn't instruct us to pray for the sick. You're like, wait a second. No, he did do that. No, Jesus didn't instruct his disciples to pray for the sick. He told them to heal the sick. Look it up. He said, he said to his disciples, heal the sick. In other words, the things you've seen me do, I'm now giving you the authority to do. You heal the sick. You raise the dead. You provide for your sick. He's given us the authority. Are you, are you with me today? I wanna to tell you today, you have been empowered by your Father. You've been given the power to walk in authority, amen. God's given you authority as a believer. Do you believe that today? 
He didn't place us on a jacked up earth and say, sorry, you don't have to fend for yourself and you know, it'll get better when you get to heaven. That's not what Jesus did. That's not the culture that he was trying to establish. He's given us authority. Jesus said in Luke 10, he says, I have given you authority to overcome all, somebody say all, all the power of the enemy. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of authority. God has given you the authority. Now, some of you may be here today and you've put on the robe of righteousness, but you're not walking in the authority that God gave you. So you're tolerating certain things that you shouldn't tolerate. Are you with me? Now here's the truth. When you walk with God, you can expect to get attacked. I think we know that to be true. How many have experienced the attack of the enemy since you started following Jesus? I think all, all of us, we, we can expect some sort of attack from the enemy. But here's what I want you to understand. Because you've been given authority, you don't have to accept it. You don't have to just be okay with it. We don't have to lie down and let the devil just walk all over us because we've been given authority. So maybe you're here and there's sickness in your home or there's financial distress in your home or relationship issues and you're just sitting back and just kind of allowing this to take place. Maybe it's time for you to step forward in your authority. You gotta remember this morning, Jesus gave you a ring. You're wearing a ring today. You're a son, you're a daughter of God. You've been given authority over all the power of the enemy. Come on, somebody, say amen. The devil can't steal from you. Did you hear me? He can't steal from you. The Bible says that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Satan can't steal from you because what does a thief take? What does a thief take? If someone steals something from you, what does the thief take? He takes something that belongs to you. In other words, it doesn't belong to him. Satan comes to steal something that belongs to you. It does not belong to him. So the question is, why are you letting him? It is rightfully yours. Some of us are like, oh, I guess the devil's coming to get that. Oh, oh well, I don't know what I can do about it. I, I mean... Oh, yeah. You know what, time to stand up in your authority. Tell, tell the devil, back off in Jesus' name. You can't have that. You can't have my kids. You can't have my marriage. Are you with me today? You can't have my mental health. You can't have my finances. You can't take it. It doesn't belong to you, man. I hate the devil. Does anybody else hate the devil in here? I can't stand. I hate the devil, and I love to torment him. I love to torment the tormentor, and the best way to do that is to remind the devil of the victory that Jesus won for us. Are you with me today? I don't think you recognize this morning how much authority you have in Christ. You've been given authority, and you've got zero excuses to walk around unempowered. There is no excuse for you to walk around unempowered. You've been given authority. It's time to wake up and pray and realize that God's giving you authority. Release the power of God into your situation. Some of you need to introduce MC Hammer into your prayer life and tell the devil, you can't touch this. Come on, tell him, you can't touch this, devil. You can't touch this, right? Come on, some of us need to introduce, introduce that into our prayer life because I walk in the authority of the Father. Devil, you can't touch what rightfully belongs to me. I've been given authority over you. You must bow your knee. Come on, somebody, say amen. You've been given authority in Jesus' name. The third thing that I see that the Father handed the prodigal was sandals. The Bible says the Father put sandals on his son's feet. What were sandals? Sandals, I believe Jesus was trying to show us a culture of purpose. That, 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 that the father put sandals on his feet. In other words, you're not coming to the house just to sit around and do nothing. You didn't come to the house to kick your feet up. I'm gonna give you purpose. I'm gonna give you destiny. In Joshua 1, 3, God says to Joshua, every place that the soles of your feet shall tread will be yours. I'm gonna give you purpose. I'm gonna put some sandals on your feet because we're going somewhere together. Can somebody say amen today? I think all of us go through times where we just don't feel like we have much to offer. Come on, has anybody ever felt like that? You come to the house of God, you just don't feel like you have much to offer. I've gone through times and seasons like that in my own life. I feel like, man, I don't, I don't really have much to give. I don't really have much to offer. But then I look at what, how God, what God's done in my life. Here I am, I stand here today, and, and God's given me so much opportunity in my life. 
I've literally had the opportunity to preach the gospel to thousands of people all over this world. I've had the opportunity to go, I've been invited to speak into other people and other churches and other ministries. God's taken me places that I never would have ever expected to ever have the opportunity to go on my own because in the Father's house, he'll put sandals on your feet. He'll give your life purpose. He'll put purpose and destiny inside of you. He'll take you places that will blow your mind. Are you hearing me today? Ephesians 3.20 describes it as being exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. This, this, the house of God, you know what the house of God is? It's a field of dreams. It's not a baseball field. It's not Hollywood. No, it's the house of God. The house of God is a field of dreams, and there's no telling what God wants to do in your life. You can come to God just like the prodigal, having made an absolute mess of your life, soiled, dirty, stinky, having nothing to offer. I'm, I'm here today to, today to tell you it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you come to God because when you, when you put your life in God's hands, he's gonna put sandals on your feet and you say, well, man, my past is such a mess. There's no way God could ever use me in my future. Let me tell you what God does. He takes, some, he takes something from your past and makes something beautiful with it for your future. The Bible says he gives us beauty for ashes. Are you hearing me today? He turns our mourning into dancing. My, all you have to do is look around this building today and you'll find people that have no business doing the things they're doing, but, but they came to the house of the Lord all jacked up, all messed up, and God put sandals on their feet. I mean, look at Stephen Perez. When Stephen came to the Lord, many of you would know his testimony. Stephen came to the Lord, he was, he was a drug addict and a drug dealer. Probably could sell a drug to anybody. He could, right, anybody. You probably could have sold drugs to me. I mean, come on, let's be honest. <laughs> he, he, he came to Christ an absolute, an absolute mess. But, but, but today, you look at him, here's a guy that was leading people into drug addiction, and now today, he's leading people to Christ. Isn't that what God, I mean, God can use the pain of your past, the mess of your past to set you up for a bright future. If you can lead people to drugs, you can definitely lead them to Jesus. Are you, are you hearing me today? All, what does God need? God just needs a life of surrender. Someone that says, I, I, I give my life to you. Boom, robe. Satan's making me mad. Come on. All God needs is a life of surrender. And then what happens? Boom, robe. Boom, ring. Boom, sandals. Come on. You're wearing the righteousness of Christ. Come on. You've been given the authority over all the power of the enemy. And you've got sandals on your feet to take you into the destiny that God has for your life. Somebody shout amen. Jeremiah reminds us that God has plans for us. Plans to prosper us. Not to harm us. To give us hope and future. God wants to set you up. He's going to use the pain of your past to give you a beautiful future. Do you believe that today? A future where you live to build the kingdom. Uh, the house of God is a place where the dreams are reborn. Dreams come back to life in the house of God. Amen. The fourth thing that I see, and this is, this is where we'll kind of end today. The fourth thing I see is the father celebrated. He celebrated. Somebody say celebrate. celebrate. You know, maybe you're like me. I kind of grew up believing that God was always angry. And I think it has to do with where I, where I attended church. My, when I was just a, a, a kid, my parents always went to church. We just weren't saved. And so we attended this very religious church. Maybe you've been to churches like this, where you stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. You only sing like the third verse of the songs. The pastor comes in with like this crazy robe and uh, definitely not in a tropical shirt like I'm wearing today. <laughs> Bryn said, this is my prophetic shirt because I'm believing that summer's here now. But the pastor comes in or the priest or whoever he is, comes walk, the father comes in and uh, he's, he's, he's got all this crazy stuff on, gold chains and these little boys are lighting candles and all this stuff. And all I knew is that if I made any noise at all, I was in trouble. My dad would just, you know, 
annihilate me, if I made any noise in the house of God, because in the house of God, you can't make any noise at all, unless you're singing the third verse of the song. And, and uh, I remember my mom, because she loved me, didn't want to see my, didn't want to see me get uh, disciplined like that. Um, she would tell me, Adam, if you'll, if you'll just behave, I'll get you some McDonald's French fries. <laughs> Listen, I can do anything for some McDonald's French fries, you know, at that time. And, and uh, so, so in, inside, I kind of grew up, and even into my adult years, into my teenage years, I, I started to think that somehow God is happy when we're not. Like I started to believe that, that when God's, God's smiling when we're distraught. So we come to God, and we're crying, and we're weeping, and, and, and distraught over our sin, and somehow God's like up there like, yeah, feel the pain. You know, like that's kind of how I, I pictured it, that somehow when we're crying, God's up there smiling. And so I had to have this mass, massive shift in my mind about the God that I served and the true personality and the character of God. See, the prodigal came home. He'd done everything wrong. Like, like everything he did gave the father reason to tell him, I told you so. Everything he did gave the father reason to say, don't you think you could come waltzing back in here and get your room back? No, no, you screwed up. That's, that's, that, 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 we would think that that's how the father would respond, and most of us as fathers, that's how we would respond. And so Jesus is trying to, to establish culture, the culture of the father's house. Because when the prodigal came home, he didn't come home to an angry guy. He, he didn't come home to a vengeful, mad father. The Bible actually says that while he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming. And the Bible says that the father was filled, look at the scripture, he was filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son. He embraced him and he kissed him. Do you see that? And in verse 23 he says, come on, kill the fatted calf. We're having some carne asada tonight, come on. We're going to celebrate with a feast. Look, look what it says. For this son of mine was dead, and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And I love that. It says, so the party began. This is the culture that Jesus is trying to, to establish in the Father's house. The Father's house is a place of celebration. I'm going to say that again and give you a chance to say amen. The Father's house. It's a place of celebration. Yes. You know, you can, you can, I'm sure some of you, of you follow us on Facebook. Sometimes it's kind of fun to kind of go back through maybe some videos we've posted and stuff because when they get shared, people comment on them. And we get some hilarious comments. Some people obviously have never been here before, but then they look at what's going on here and it looks like a party. Like the music in the background is like, yeah. You know, like that, right? That's what's playing in the background. And you see Bryn and the team, they're up here jumping. The lights are going all over the place. And, and, and it just looks like everybody's having a, it looks like a total, it looks like a rave. I mean, cut up the video, it makes it look even worse. You know what I mean? And so what happens is, is people see it, religious people that think God's a mad God, angry all the time, looking to pounce on them when they make a mistake. They see it and they go, oh my gosh, that's terrible. That's not the house of God. That's a house of the devil. Looks like, it looks like a bar in there. I love those. I actually like those comments. Physically, click like. Because, because let me, we've been accused of a lot of things at Elevate Ministries. Some of them are true. And one of the things that's true about our church is that when you come here, it looks like a giant party. You know why? Because it is. When you accuse us of looking like a bar or a nightclub and stuff where people are having a great time and having fun, let me tell you why. It, it's because that's the way it is. We are a party church. Some of you are getting offended, like, wait a second, is that okay? It's totally okay. You know why it's okay to be a party church? Because God is a party God. The Father is a party animal. Are you here today? The Father God loves to celebrate. The scripture said, and the party began. How did the party begin? Well, because a prodigal son returned home. He was, he was given a robe of righteousness. He was given a ring of authority. Sandals of purpose was placed on his feet. And because of that, the, par, the party began. The Father God wanted to party. The Bible tells us that just one, when one, one person comes back and, return, and repents, that all of heaven rejoices. So will we, will we 
celebrate in the house of God? Heck yes, we're going to celebrate. We're going to have a party because the because our father knows what it's like to have a lost son return home. And he makes sure by this story that we are well aware that something like that is worth celebrating. Today, when I look at you and I see your life restored and your family put back together, when I see God doing restoring marriages and restoring relationships, when I see somebody get a, when God restores their finances and sets their mind straight, tell you, tell you what happens to me. I just wanna celebrate. I wanna lift my hands. I wanna shout unto God because a God that we serve is a celebratory God. He loves to have some fun. Can I hear somebody say amen? So let me tell you what about our church. We're not going to be the church that looks like everyone's been baptized in lemon juice. We're not going to come in here looking like we've lost our last friend, all right? It's not going to be somber and intense all the time at Elevate Ministries. Let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to laugh. Somebody say amen. We're going to sing. We're going to dance. We're going to have fun. I'm going to be mischievous all of the time just to keep you on your toes because we have a fun God. Our Father's a fun, fun, fun God. He's a celebratory God. Look at Psalm 2, verse 4. It says that the one who rules in heaven, what's he doing? He's laughing. He's laughing, man. The Bible says that God's anger lasts only a moment. His favor lasts a lifetime. How does he draw us to himself? Through his loving kindness. Come on, this is the God I serve. This is the God I serve. It's the culture that's going to be established in this house. And when someone comes to Christ, we're going to celebrate a robe of righteousness that happens instantaneously that doesn't require any work. It doesn't require any, it doesn't even require effort because Jesus already paid the price for the robe of righteousness. And when we stand before God, he doesn't see our pig slop mess. He sees the righteousness of Christ. Are you with me today? Thank God for that. Thank the Lord for that. Then he puts a ring of authority that the same, the same authority that Jesus had, we now have. And we can speak to sick things and, and, and speak healing. We can, we can speak to dead things and bring them back to life. We've been given the authority over all the power of the enemy. What belongs to us, Satan can't steal. He can't have our marriage. He can't have our kids. He can't have our finances because it belongs to us and we've been given authority over the devil. Somebody say amen. We've been given a ring of authority. He's put sandals on our feet because the house of God is a place where dreams are born. It's the field of dreams. It's where you come in and God puts vision inside of your life. He, he gives you destiny. He, he doesn't just tell you to come and sit down and kick back and kick your shoes off. No, he puts shoes on your feet because he's telling you that wherever you place the soles of your feet, he's given you the land. There's unlimited possibility for the prodigals that are in this room this morning. Somebody amen, say amen. And the third thing we need, the fourth thing we need to understand is that our God is a celebratory God. Your life. He said it again, your life is worth celebrating. Your marriage is worth celebrating. You say, well, it doesn't really look like it. My marriage isn't that great. I'm gonna tell you something. Your marriage is worth celebrating. It's a miracle that God's done. He's gonna do, he's gonna do, do a transformative miracle in your life in any area where you say, well, I don't really know. Let me tell you something, celebrate what God's done. Come on, celebrate the things that God's done. When we come to the house of the Lord, we don't stand in the back. We don't talk to our friends. We come to the front. And we lift our hands to Jesus. We express the greatness, that we, the gratefulness that we have for what God's done. We celebrate, we, we, why do we dance? And why do you see me down here playing like the air drums? Why am I doing that? It's because I'm grateful. I'm celebrating the things that I'm seeing and witnessing all around me. That's the God we serve. It should be present in the Father's house. Somebody stand to your feet. Lift your hands up before the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
there's anybody here today, you say, you know what, I don't have a relationship with God, and you're, maybe you're a prodigal, and you look at your life, and you see, I'm surrounded by mess, I've got all these issues, I feel guilty of things I've done, I, I don't know what to do next, I'm trying to make things work, and everything seems to be falling apart, all of us have, I remember being in that spot myself, where I was trying to, just trying to please everyone around me, and, and I couldn't make anything kind of fit. And that was when I met Jesus. When I met Jesus, he, he put it all together for me. He put all the pieces. I've never been the same. And, and God didn't look at me and say, Adam, yeah, I told you so. You should have done better. He didn't shame me for the mess that I had made. No, he accepted me, brought me in, and now he's used that to give me a destiny. He's used that to give me purpose. He's used that to give me, uh, give me a, a, a purpose for my life. And God could do the same for you. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I want to come back to Jesus. I'm a prodigal. I want to come back. I want to get my life right with God. I want to get my life right with God. Maybe if that's you all over this place, maybe just slip your hand up all over this room. And you say, that's me. I want to get my life right with God. Life right with God. Say, well, I've been coming to church for a long time. Yeah, so did I. I came to church for a really long time, but my life wasn't right with God. And the evidence of it was my life was a mess. So maybe you say, well, that's me. I, I want to I come back to God. I want to give my life to God. If that's you, all over this room, we just lift your hand up, lift your hand up, and, and we'll pray together. I'd love to pray with you. Is there a hand right over here? I see that hand. Anybody else? You say, that's me. You join this one honest, honest person today. Right over here. Is there a hand back over here? Amen. Right over here. I, uh, I, I see that hand. Welcome to the family of God. What a great decision you're making today. Amazing decision you're making. Anybody else? You say, that's me. I want, to get my, I want to get my heart right with God. I mean, God's not angry with you. He, he's not here to shame you, and neither are we. We're just here to celebrate with you. We're here to celebrate. Anybody all, you say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to come back home. Right there, I see that hand. I want to come back home. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Anybody else, you say, that's me. You know, I've been, I've been, I've been kind of going on my own path. I've kind, of, I've kind of wrecked it. I've wrecked it. I've wrecked some things. I once had a relationship with God, but, but today I'm not right with God. I want, to make, I want to make my heart right with God today. God wants to extend grace and mercy to you. If that's you, just raise your hand all over this place. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Those of you that raised your hand, I'd love for it. If you'd come here, to, right here to the front, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. Just, just slide out of, your, out of your seat right over here. I'd love to pray with you. Come on down here. I'd love to pray with you. Right over here. Yeah, come on. I wanna, I'd love to pray with you. Yeah come, on. yeah, come on. Can we give the Lord some praise? Come on. Come on. Give the Lord some praise. Come on down here. I know it's sometimes it's hard to come down and make a decision like this. It can be difficult. I feel like, I feel like, oh man, what are people gonna think? But I'm here today to tell you that we're here to celebrate with you. The prodigal son, all of us are prodigals. We've we've all fallen short. We've all made mistakes. Yeah, come on in here. Come on, Steve. We've all made mistakes. We've all done a, done, done things that we know isn't right. But the great news is that. God doesn't take us as we were. He changes us. He gives us a robe of righteousness. How does he do that? The Bible says that when we repent of our sins, that he's faithful to forgive us. He always will. He always will. There's nothing, just like the song we just sang, there's nothing that Christ wouldn't do, did not do, so that you could be one with him, that you could have a relationship with God. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to forgive us. And the Bible says that, that a miracle trans, transpires immediately that we become born again just like what Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus he says he says unless you're born again you can't see the kingdom of God so, so what was Jesus saying well it's not about all the things you do it's not all of the things that you try to make yourself that doesn't work your righteousness isn't good enough no matter how good you are you need Jesus the righteousness of Christ so we're going to pray and this is what's going to happen you ready for this what's going to happen is a robe of righteousness a ring of authority sandals of purpose a celebration in this church and all over heaven. That's what happens. That's what happen right now. So we're going to pray. I want you to repeat this prayer after me from your heart, out of your mouth, from your heart, okay? Let's pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I've made mistakes. I'm a prodigal. I'm coming to your house, repenting the things I've done. I'm sorry. 
I believe that you died on the cross, shed your blood for my forgiveness. So I invite you into my heart. I make you the Lord of my life. And I choose that from this day forward, I'm gonna live for you. I exchange my old life for your righteousness. I walk not in my own authority, but in your authority. I believe you've given me purpose and destiny. So I, I make the decision today to give my life to you, in Jesus' name. Right now, Lord, I thank you for these decisions that have been made right here in altars of this church. Lord, we're grateful, Lord, that, that Lord, you forgive us for all unrighteousness, that there's nothing that could hinder your love for us. There's nothing that can stop it. We thank you for the sacrifice of your son Jesus, Lord, to provide this salvation for us. We're grateful for it today. And we're thankful today that even now, Lord, as these have made their decision to serve you, we know all of heaven is rejoicing. Lord, that prodigals have come home. We know that the Father is rejoicing, smiling, laughing, celebrating, because a lost son is returned home, that what was, what was dead is now alive. So God, we thank you today for new life in Christ. Thank you today that the old is gone, the new has come, that we are new creations in Christ, that all of our sin is, you, you, you've, you've removed it from us as far as the east is from the west. You've forgiven us and we remember, you remember our sin no more. God, we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Come on, let's say amen. Come on, let's celebrate. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. serve a good God. We serve a good God. You know, you guys, this decision you've made, man, I feel the presence of God, man, down here. This is like amazing. I could be here all day. This feels so good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, this decision you guys have made, we tell you, you didn't make this alone. You're not, you're not in this alone. God, God's surrounded. That's what the church is. The church is a place where we come and we can, we can be ourselves. Yeah, we, can, we can allow God to shape us in community. It's, it's a great thing about the church. So today, there's, there's, you're surrounded, whether you know it or not, there's people behind you. They want to just going to talk to you, answer your questions, pray with you, just love on you a little bit. And uh, if you allow them to do that, it would be amazing. Hey, Bryn, lead us in that chorus one last time. Can you do that? Come on, sing this out to the Lord. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm Let's lift our hands, just worship the Lord, come on. Leave the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away, and all the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, and all the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love
Let me pray over us and then we're going to sing a celebration song on the way out. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for what you've done. Lord, we see in the culture that as you walked this earth and you, and you, and you did the things that you did and said the words that you said, we recognize you are establishing culture. And so, Lord, I pray that we would identify those things and then walk it out. Lord, that we would, we would embrace heaven on earth. Lord, Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, as we see these things, I pray, Lord, that we would do these things, that we would be these things, that there'd be something different about us and the place where we are. So we thank you for that this morning. We give you praise in Jesus' name. What do you say we celebrate one last song before we go? Can we do that? I mean, like, really celebrate. Yeah, come like, on. Five people just gave their lives to Christ. All of heaven is rejoicing. I say we rejoice with them. What do you say? What do you say? Yeah. What do you say? Yeah. What do you say? Yeah. Come on, can we do that? Amen. Yes, come on. Come on, we're going to sing the name of Jesus today. Come on, is anybody singing with us? Come on, let's go. Jesus, Jesus, your love is breaking chains right now, right now. Come on, lift your voice. Sing it.